Mel. And Kel. And this is It's Called Culture. Ever heard of it? I can't even fully express how excited I am to share today's guest with you guys. The reason I started this show is because I wanted to explore what it was like to be raised in an immigrant family. And Kelly and I have thus far spoken about what that was like in a Portuguese household, because that is what we know. We speak from our own experiences. But I've always wanted to branch the show out to include different cultures because I knew that there was common ground to be found. Today, we get to do that for the very first time where we are interviewing somebody from a different background, but who also has that immigrant experience. So we have Joseph Abden, who is an attorney. He is of Middle Eastern descent. His uh, dad immigrated from Syria, and he is going to share that experience with us. He was also most recently on CBS's Big Brother season 24. But we're going to spend our time talking about Joseph the person, not Joseph the Big Brother player. So without further ado, here's the interview that we had with him. And for the very first time, we have a video podcast available for this episode where we posted the entire video to our YouTube channel. The link will be in the show notes if you'd prefer to watch instead of listen. I'm Melissa. You can see our little uh, names on here. We we did a little <laughs> homage to you with our, you know, Melissa 35 podcaster at home. It just popped up. Melissa 35, oh, nope. Kelly 34, single at home. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and, then, and then we have J51 BB lover at home. This is our sixth grade teacher. Okay. So. Oh my God. <laughs> he's, he's not normally on our podcast. We did have him on as a guest uh, like a month ago. and. He he's a Big Brother fan, and he said if you ever uh, get another Big Brother person on, because we had Michelle Costa from season ten a few weeks ago, and he said I want to be a part of that. And who am I to deny my educator? <laughs> of course, no, of course. So, <laughs> so he doesn't have any culture at all. But <laughs> <laughs> no, there's some in there. There's definitely something. <laughs> I wonder what my, what's my tag? Joseph seventy five bad at technology. Well, I don't know if I can change yours. I don't know. I don't know if I can change it on your behalf. Hold on. Oh, I totally um, can. Yep. Yeah, hold on. You are going to be yeah. Joseph seventy five. You earned 75. that today. Joseph yep. seventy five. Bad at technology. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Joseph I was late. 75. And I... Were you what eating? I was actually eating. That was why I tried to postpone the interview because I was eating, and then I knew the setup was going to take a little while. So. I you guys already it. know. Joseph, seventy-five, bad at technology. Rename, nice, awesome. Can I ask, what is the seventy-five? I don't watch Big Brother. I am the only one uh, that does it. <laughs> so they started. So my birthday happened in the house, and apparently around the time of my birthday is when like I start playing the game, and you know the house starts to flip. So okay. they call me Joseph twenty-five because when I was twenty-four, I was just you know playing around and not taking the game serious. So when I turned 25, that was my wake up call. But now oh, okay. with all these interviews and interactions with technology and I'm always malfunctioning or coming late, they call me Joseph 75 <laughs> because postseason, <laughs> I have a lot of difficulties with navigating the tech world and social media. <laughs> yes. I knew we were going to get Joseph 75 today. So I'm so glad you, you did. Up. I'm so sorry. Yeah, I, I was like literally in the middle of like trying to fix everything. And I was like, wait, why can they see me? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, awesome. So we, so our, our big brother kind of range is I watch the show. 
Um, I follow BB Twitter, all the memes, all that fun stuff. That's so awesome to follow. Kelly, like she said, she doesn't watch the show, but she spent like the last 24 hours <laughs> watching every interview you've done. And she like <laughs> fell asleep to one of your interviews last night. She woke up like <laughs> that you were in, like some, she was studying for a test with you. And I was like, I don't know. Um, <laughs> like, it's too much. <laughs> too much Big Brother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's and, a lot of in Big Brother questions. Yes. <laughs> Jay, who I have a hard time calling him Jay. I just want to call him Mr. V because he's my sixth grade teacher. But he actually, so he's alive. He surprised me because I thought he only watched yeah episodes and I was gonna tell him that like he might not recognize you if that's all he was doing but <laughs> oh, yeah <laughs> Joe who what yeah yeah literally there was a Joseph <laughs> yeah well, he does in fact watch live feeds occasionally I don't know how much he watched this season but he's watched live feeds like on dial-up internet like from the way back you're an og yeah yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> that's good to hear jay we if you, usually a lot of my fans are the live theaters so otherwise like you said yeah. it's like who is that <laughs> <laughs> right right so so let's get into it like the our format is more like conversational like we'll all kind of share things you'll learn things about us we'll learn things about you um versus us just being like you know question after question yeah perfect questions so um, we've heard you I've heard you little bits and pieces of your story on interviews that you've done where you kind of talk about your dad being an immigrant and he came over with nothing but the shirt on his back and I mean that's exactly our story and all of our family stories you know they came so I, I don't know if you're familiar with the Azores at all but it's Portuguese owned islands in the middle of the Atlantic Mm -hmm. ocean. And our families are from the Azores. We won't get into like the reasons that they immigrated and stuff. You know, every country has their reasons for why you need Mm -hmm. to leave. Right. And they came over with nothing. So like my dad sold, they sold, they were in poverty there. They sold like the family cows that they had and that they were farming with so that they could afford the plane ticket over. Oh my God. So like you're coming here with nothing, absolutely nothing, except just like the will to work and just a dream, a dream. uh, Exactly. And you're either different families did it differently. You know, some families would kind of my dad's family was adamant that they were going to stick together and they weren't going to split up to do it. So they came like all together as a family of five. But so many families would split up like the husband would go ahead first. And yes. they'd, they'd immigrate, they'd kind of get things <laughs> right. set up in the new country. You'd be without your family for like two or three years. And then you'd Absolutely. reunite once they kind of got things established. And so Kelly, your so- story is very similar with your parents. Yeah, I yeah. mean, we came from, our families came from the same island. We, we've known each other our whole lives. We met in kindergarten. So that's amazing. But so tell us a little bit more about, about that and like how difficult it is. Cause I know you've mentioned it, but nobody's really given it the gravity in the interviews of like, you know how hard that is to start? In yeah, the depth. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So the story, you know, starts with my father. So he comes here with nothing. He's one of five brothers. And um, he they like you mentioned, they start to slowly one by one um, immigrate, uh, immigrate to America. And in doing so, like they all start to get um, working these long hour jobs. They come here with nothing. Uh, my father was actually a law student in Lebanon. And due to the conflicts arising in Syria and in Lebanon, and they're just not being longevity in the Middle East, he decides, you know, I want to start a family. I want, you know, a better life for my kids. So he comes to America. 
And in coming to America, he abandoned everything, which was, I could not even imagine, like in my legal career when I was a law student, just stopping in the middle of my tracks and then jumping to a foreign country where I don't know the language, the currency, anything, and just trying to make a name for myself. So that's exactly what he did. He was in the middle of law school and he just stopped and came to America because that's what my family was doing. Um, His brothers were already here and situated and working. Um, And they would work in grocery stores, long hours, like 10 to 12. Um, My dad would tell me, he was like, I came here, I would work like a 10 hour shift and then go do night school and try to learn English. So it's an amazing story. Um, I have so much love and respect for him for that reason. A lot of the reasons um, on why I work so hard and try to accomplish as many things as I can pop as I can is for him and because I'm so grateful that he's handed me this opportunity to be born here, to know the language and to, you know, take opportunities that wasn't afforded to him or others like him, which is why I also try to, you know, still volunteer internationally and just realize that a lot of of the luxuries in life that I live here isn't the same for people outside. I'm sure we can all relate here watching our parents, you know, with a similar story. And yeah, so he came here and he just wanted to build up a life from himself. Like my father's story is like such a unique one. I think it's, I wrote it. um, It's my personal statement for law school Um, between him and my mother. Like, although my mother was born and raised here, her parents immigrated from Palestine. So like, you know, she's technically the first generation and um, she was just so, you know, swallowed up in it that like, you know, she, I don't think she got she she didn't step out much of it. So the culture is still very there with her as well. And, um, you know, growing up with that, I'm sure as you guys can relate, can have a lot of its hiccups. Uh, (laughs) It's a whole new world to navigate, let alone uh, my dad very soon after he comes here, um, meets my mom, they get married, and then they have me. So being the first born of, you know, potentially, I would say, although my dad immigrated here, uh, my mom wasn't too familiar she was very family oriented, very traditional. So, you know, although she was born and raised here, she lacked a lot of the exposure that you would think would come with um, being raised here. So a lot of, and my mother wasn't too familiar with school. She has learning disabilities and due to her sickness and illness growing up, she was um, always sheltered within her home. So, and her home again to uh, foreigners, my uh, grandparents. So uh, both of them coming up wasn't, weren't too familiar with the American culture. So, you know, at her generation being, um, so she was like a child of immigrants in an earlier time versus like a child of immigrants. Now in modern times, it's very different. Like you said, she was probably more sheltered at that point and not able to assimilate the same way you would now with a modern child in today's, you know, 2022 world. Right. Uh, Absolutely. And the lack of social media and influence that you had in that time was a very like um, interactive, like face to face situation. So the the perspectives and stuff was limited to the community. And uh, with her, her illnesses, like she wasn't venturing out any further than, you know, her home. And uh, similar to my grandparents, like, you know, so then I had that aspect, you know, limiting, and then my father, you know, who just was always working and trying to raise um, four kids. And then after they divorced twice, actually. So after the second divorce, yeah, after the second (laughs) divorce, they, um, they definitely realize this isn't working out. And um, so I'm primarily being raised by my father, who's working, you know, for lack of better terms, his ass off. And uh, in doing so, like that left a lot of pressure, especially in Arab cultures, like I'm sure it's similar um, 
it seems to be a similar theme a lot on with my like uh latin friends like you know the oldest carries a lot of the weight so uh there was a lot of pressure on me to you know achieve and you know take care of my siblings as well so how old you said your dad had you shortly after he immigrated here so he was he was young he was in he was a student he was in law school when he came over yeah i think so my dad i think came in here uh, i want to say late to latish 20 so around my mm-hmm. age now because i'm 25 i think he came here in his late 20s no, i want to say <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> i am i really am uh, i want to say late 20s maybe like 30 or early 30s so, but relatively young so he, he he came here with uh in his earlier years and just tried to navigate through so language wise he was learning english he didn't know english before he came here and if he had you shortly after, was he speaking Arabic with you at home or like when you were growing up? Yeah. So my dad, um, and even till today has a very like heavy accent. Um, it led to a lot of complications actually growing up, um, as much as I love and we joke about it. And he's like very proud of his accent. He's like, that's who I am. That's, uh, that's how, like, that shows like, you know, that I can speak your language and that I'm trying, you know? Mm-hmm. So he's very proud of it, which is why I don't mind like joking with him over it. And I have so much respect for him for it. Cause I can't speak Arabic. So as you mentioned, growing up, uh, my mom does not speak Arabic. Um, and she was primarily with me because my dad was always working. And, um, while my dad was always working, you know, um, I did pick up some Arabic languages, majority of them being like, you know, <laughs> curse swear words, words yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> definitely swear words. Cause that's when, you know, the English stops and the Arabic comes out is when yeah. they're frustrated. So, um, I, unfortunately, um, growing up and this probably had a lot to do with like the lack of, you know, interaction due to the ADHD due to, you know, a lot of aspects. I had so much energy and I was not good with school. So is trying to teach me to learn Arabic was an extremely difficult situation. I remember my dad even tried to like get us a tutor. It was really important for us to learn. He just didn't have the time. And my mom also didn't speak it. So he would try here and there. I have to give him the effort, but we were just not very receptive to it. Like it wasn't easy to get four kids to sit down who all four are very hyper. <laughs> so, so, and I'll let Kelly, cause Kelly's parents actually still don't speak English. So, right. so that's, she's got a whole world and I'll let her have that conversation, but just about Arabic, like when I look at the alphabet, just for instance, right? Like yeah. Portuguese, Portuguese is a Latin alphabet. So it's like the same alphabet in English and in Portuguese and it's Portuguese is very phonetic. It's very easy to learn. And you know, the words are exactly how they appear on paper. You just sound them out. Right. Yeah. But Arabic, I'm like, this is like calligraphy. I'm like, what? Yes, 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 yes. I'm like, how do you do this? And I like started reading. I was like prepping for this interview and I'm like reading like a Wikipedia page on the Arabic alphabet. And I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, you draw it differently depending on like where it is in the word. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Absolutely. Yeah. It's a, it's a very difficult language. I I take it granted for someone who is still trying to learn it, even though I was born and raised into, you know, in an Arab family. And it's such a difficult language to grasp because as you mentioned, there's so many nuances. There's not a lot of overlap between English. (laughs) Um, So it's a big jump to make. And I mean, not unfortunately, but uh, my family, um, like my cousins are Colombian and we, I was basically born and raised with them. So there's a lot of Latin overlap with my family. And so I was learning Spanish as well as Arabic at the same time, which is why I have, um, uh, that's why I can 
conversate in Spanish. I would say my Arabic is a lot more poor. I could definitely get around using my Spanish. My Arabic is very, very, very basic. And uh, my Spanish, I would say, is conversational. Like, you can definitely tell, like, you know, this guy, I can get a message across, but it doesn't come off beautifully. But um, trying, I remember trying to learn both languages at the same time when I was younger. I think it was like, you know, of course, you know, with... Uh, <laughs> At least with Middle Eastern families, the kid can do anything. So, oh um, so I was trying to juggle both, and I think it was just kind of a little bit of an overload. And uh, I, I, I think I got something. I didn't end up with nothing out of right. the experience, but I definitely plan to. You know, one goal of mine is to gain fluency in Arabic and Spanish. Yeah, I know you at least know how to say Baba and. <laughs> in Arabic. I do. I do. (laughs) Yes, I do. So you will see, I can write my name. I can write my last name. I can actually read Arabic very slightly. Um, A couple of times, Middle Eastern or Arab fans will write to me in Arabic. And if it's something, they usually will end it with like shukran or something um, that I can translate and like I can read. But the second it becomes like these really elaborate long sentences, the phone gets handed to Baba so he can translate (laughs) it. Oh, so Kelly, why don't you kind of like talk about your experience? Because yeah. your parents still don't speak English. Like- so my parents actually still don't speak English, but my oh. father's like the same situation as your dad. Like my dad has like a, we call it like a broken English. He can yes, kind of yes. conversate you in English. Yes. And he has like yes. a big accent. So yes. I still have to help both of that. Like, and I say, yes. like, I appreciate that they're, they're trying to learn how to speak English. So let's say they're both. 65 years old and my dad's still asking me like you know out in the azor like i mentioned this in a prior episode like in the azores they don't have a squirrel so like for the longest time my dad's like what's that animal that runs up the tree and i'm like what are you <laughs> yeah. talking about oh my like, god we're, like, oh, yeah. we're living the same life right like, i don't have <laughs> we don't have that animal like what is it and i'm like holy shit like that's right you guys grew up like so different from us like you lived on an island absolutely so it's been that my whole life and it yes. still is to this day. <laughs> it's it's so funny. I, I joke with my dad all the time. I'm like, do you understand some of, so I always, and I don't know if you can relate to this because of the language barrier, the communication skills and the aspect of almost my father's personality, I feel is slightly hindered. Like there's a piece of him, which is why I want to learn Arabic and fluency because obviously in communication and in conversations and dialogue, a lot of how you try to relay your thoughts and what's going on upstairs comes through your words. So the difficulties they face in the language barrier, I'm like, you know, I can grasp the bigger picture of what he's trying to deliver to me, but I'm like, there's so much more to him that I can unwrap if I get to learn the language. And yeah. that's another reason I, I really want to, you know, master Arabic. And my father, it's hilarious sometimes. Some of the things like, that's why for me, if I hear an accent, it lights a fire in me. I get so excited. It's like stars will hit my eyes because I, it just shows me how hard this person has worked, how educated they are, their intellect, like, you know, that they want this to work. I, I love accents. Like, I think it's like an amazing aspect to someone. Are you just saying that because like Indy's right behind you? Like, listen <laughs> she, yeah, what's funny is I think she's, she's listening to music and working out. So. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I definitely, I, I, I definitely, it's something I've always, you know, appreciated. And I think it's, it's because of my admiration for my father. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it's exactly how you just explained it, where when I speak Portuguese, like I... I say, I call myself a Portuguese speaker and I can like read it and write it and speak it. But like 
I'm kind of rusty because I no longer live near my extended family. Like I'm kind of a little bit, you know, detached from them now. So I'm not living it every day. Um, So if you don't use it kind of, if you're not exercising that muscle of using that language all the time, you start to lose it and you get really rusty. And so like, I just took a trip out there and I was going around like trying to converse with these people who live there. And I'm like, I sound like a moron. Like I, (laughs) like, like I can, I can get my point across, but it's like, I'm using roundabout ways to like say something. So instead of being like the name for the thing that I want to say, it's like, I literally describe it as like the thing that does this. Does this, yes, yes. And it's It's us stepping into their shoes. Yes, it's us stepping into their shoes. And like, it changes the conversation. It changes the interaction. So that's why it's so interesting to me because the perspective slightly alters. Like, as you mentioned, like with Indy, she would say a lot of times in the house, if you all met me or if you all spoke Portuguese, you would know you would know more of who I am as a person. And I completely understand that because I will joke with my father all the time that if like I spoke Arabic a lot, I would learn a lot more than I already know about him. So um, it's like a huge, a huge goal of mine. And in my family, like between all the brothers, like it's such a huge melting pot. Like um, my cousins are, you know, Japanese and Syrian my other cousins are Colombian and Syrian you know I'm Palestinian and Syrian so like there's just so many cultures overlapping like our Thanksgiving dinner is always you know so (laughs) unique and uh my other cousins are Caribbean and Syrian so like it's such a unique aspect and I can just see that's why I have so much respect and admiration for diversity because just watching everyone bring their different perspectives you know for example like at the Thanksgiving Thanksgiving dinner table is just amazing to me and that's why I love the opportunity to really get to know any of these people even further and deeper. And to do that, I think it's by, you know, learning the language. So I'm so glad you, we were about, I was going to figure out how we were going to segue into like food and you just brought up Thanksgiving dinner. So this is perfect. Yes. And (laughs) so I, my husband is, I call him an American. Like I'm obviously an American. I was born here, but like, I'm like, oh, those Americans, you know, like American born parents. And he like so his I've been married to him for 10 years now so I've gotten to experience like American Thanksgivings versus like my cultural Thanksgivings yeah and I'm like they will run a- they will run out of turkey at Thanksgiving and I'm like why do yeah. we not cook enough food like what do you yes oh oh my god okay so I can <laughs> you already know I mean you guys already mentioned my appetite so let me tell you one thing about us Middle Easterners: is we don't have that food like we are not gonna run out of food and we don't care who's showing up like I my appetite is times three at least with my two other brothers um so you have us three always eating constantly so one thing that we are going to do is throw down and feast so like that is why we love our gatherings we love being all together because there's always just so much you know food and it's from all aspects like you know if my caribbean cousins come then we have caribbean food if we have you know obviously the the middle eastern dishes are always there the if my aunt um, from japan is coming we have japanese dishes so like it's just so unique and it's so this is why I love to eat. Like, <laughs> this is why. And the food tastes so good. So like, and it's like a huge form of expression and love, especially yeah. in Middle Eastern culture. So like the more food you put out, the more you eat, the more it shows like gratitude and love. Like it's a love language. And that's why I think like, I just, I, it's the way I was raised. So that's why I like eat everything. <laughs> I mean, so we're the same way, but like we have, let's not forget, we have JBB Lover up here. He's American and he... <laughs> So he's like a culprit of the like 
the running on <laughs> the, be like what I'm going to call also not just like the amount of food, the volume of food, but like the, the seasonings <laughs> or lack yeah. of seasonings. Yeah, oh <laughs> my god! Yeah. Oh my god! Don't get me started. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, it really like, does. Get... He knows what we mean. <laughs> my American <laughs> husband's family will put meats like they will take them out of the package and slap them on the grill, and I'm like, "What are you doing with that raw chicken breast over there?" <laughs> <laughs> oh no, we have a. I think we have three pantries of seasoning alone and one of them <laughs> rotates so oh, like awesome. it's like yeah so we are seasoning does we do not play with that especially considering like you know my father owned a latin and caribbean market so we really do not play with our seasonings middle eastern um the family aspect like from where everyone's from so like and everyone you know it's kind of food wars in my house so like you really better season or else you're not going to win and I went to a predominantly white high school so I do have a lot of white friends and I've shared at white Thanksgiving dinners um and they're definitely just not what I'm used to they're bland as hell just yeah, say it yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I, I didn't say that but they're not what no, I'm I used to. <laughs> okay but let it be known that I do not cook as an American no, you don't. So, I don't. so the thing that we love about our sixth grade teacher here, <laughs> so we Mr. went to, v. we went to a Portuguese um, Catholic school and he taught there not having any experience with the culture. And so everybody that was at this school was literally like children of Portuguese immigrants. Oh, he taught there and he, he got to like learn about the culture through teaching us kids. So oh. there were like parents that were like teaching him recipes and teaching him how to cook oh, that's he, so cute. <laughs> because he grew up with a, an American style. So, yeah. <laughs> so now he, he oh, does. So I, as much as I like rag on him, he, he does cook. Like he's been assimilated he into got, the Portuguese he culture. He got flavored. Yeah. 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 He picked up the flavor. Yeah. He picked up the flavor. I love it. <laughs> so in the house, you don't have to say any names, but in the Big Brother house, like the cooking, you had 16 different people in there, right? And <laughs> what was the situation? Like, were they like flavoring food or were they like sad? <laughs> oh, God. Food? I mean, I I will talk about the good ones. I would definitely say that, you know, uh, Indy, I loved her food. Like I would eat it all the time. I would also say Taylor would stop, but everything she made tasted amazing. Um, Nicole too, like her, her food was good as well. Um, and yeah, yeah. Like uh, otherwise there were some dishes where I was like, wow, uh, I ate it. Um, but, uh, ultimately I, I think Taylor shares a sentiment on one specific dish. She really didn't like, oh. but, um, uh, but, uh, I, I ultimately, I'm not a picky eater. That is one thing. Like I will eat it, but obviously the levels to my enjoyment will vary, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, I, I definitely did. The house had some good dishes hit the, hit the, uh, the table. So that, that was really reassuring too. Um, and you know, one thing for me, I always struggling with is obviously seasoning is seasoning, but from the health aspect, like the personal trainer in me is always trying to balance because, I'm trying to eat healthy and not too heavy, but at the same time, the food tastes good. It's part of the culture. It's like always such a war in my head. <laughs> I can't imagine. Mm. Oh, yeah, I've never, I've never worked out a day in my life, yeah, so good. I really can't. <laughs> imagine. We don't... There's no oh such thing as working out in a Portuguese family. <laughs> oh, it's not very common. 
No. It was not very common in the Middle Eastern family. Like my dad was just like, I don't know what you're talking about. We eat, we work, like that's it. Like I don't know what this eating. whole gym stuff is. So, yeah. <laughs> so I want to ask you this because Kelly and I had like this big long conversation uh recently about napping culture. And in ter- specifically for us in a lot of I think Mediterranean area countries, like there's like the after lunch nap or whatever, like yeah. the oh, nap. Like you eat and like you're immediately just like going to the Too couch. Bad. You are yeah. just like yes. <laughs> yes. Oh. I've I've termed it like the digestive nap. Like I need oh, to go yeah. and digest this food. I'm gonna go take a nap and then I'll be back. That's <laughs> yeah. that's exactly what it is. And my my parents would literally it was almost a tactic. We would have to eat dinner close to going to bed because that nap became sleep like go to bed <laughs> so that's like that the is worst very... thing you can do that's like what you're not supposed to do right like eat immediately before yeah, no yeah it was their yeah. life hack they would stuff our face and then we would have to digest it and knock out like no there's if you weren't there's a joke in our house if you're not sleeping after the meal the meal didn't hit so like oh, thanks like yeah uh. thanksgiving everything so like you we would literally joke and just like lay back me my brothers cousins all of us will lay back we were and if it was just quiet we were all looking around and like the energy just died because i'm sure you guys can tell from me like the abdin household very very chaotic so if that chaos is neutralized and it's just quiet and we're all looking around like some whoever was in the kitchen snapped like no, they did good <laughs> that's awesome did you ever pretend to sleep and not really sleep no fortunately everyone uh that usually steps into the kitchen within my family can really throw down so for that reason like i they, they didn't have to fake my it. ass like yeah no i no no and then usually when i when it doesn't hit and i have to fake it they don't the whole sleeping after you eat isn't really known. So I, I don't have to be like, oh my God, I fell asleep like after eating. People are like, what are you talking about? I'm like, okay. <laughs> oh my God. So did you get to take a nap after you ate on the show or no? I slept everywhere. We're not like not supposed to sleep, but I was like, I was literally, they had such a hard time waking me up. They would actually send people to wake me up. So <laughs> I was not having it. Like I needed my rest. So they would like in the mornings they had to have like, they would usually they set like an alarm, like kind of an alarm to get us up, but they would have to like personally buzz in and be like, can someone get Joseph out of bed? <laughs> or uh, if I took a nap, they would be like, wake up. Like it was, it was definitely hard because I, I like to sleep. <laughs> Oh my God. So like we could literally go on like our podcast, we do like entire episodes on like food or we do entire episodes. Oh yeah. Oh, I can be all day. But like, I'm trying to touch like a little on all the topics. So like my next topic I've got is like values and I know education obviously is a big one, but I'm not even going to do that one first. I'm going to go like finances and money and relationships with money, um, especially Mm -hmm. coming from poverty or coming from not having anything when you start in a country. I think it changes how you see money, how you view money. Um, for us, it was always like a huge thing. You know, parents are huge savers. They don't spend money on anything. They hoard everything they save. They don't mm-hmm. throw anything away. It's like everything can be reused for some other yes. purpose. Everything, yes. like, you know, they will not waste. <laughs> Resourceful. Anything. Yes. And so yes. there's there's a whole lot to talk about with like relationships with money. But I guess I'll like, I'll give you like one example from my life and then you can kind of go off with it. But my, uh, when I was in high school, we had like checkbooks still, we were like still balancing checkbooks. It was like pre debit card situation. And my dad was always like on me about balancing my checkbook. And I was like, never very good at keeping up with it. And 
one day he came and he saw that I like wasn't keeping up with it. And he was like, he got so pissed at me. He threw the checkbook at me and was like, get out. He's like, and don't come back until you balance your checkbook. And I was like, did I, just, did I just get kicked out of my house for like balancing a checkbook? I was like, what is going on? Like, then that's such like an immigrant dad thing to like, oh my God. Like, I wasn't doing drugs. I was like, no, you just didn't balance your checkbook. Oh, don't get me started. Do not get me started for getting yelled at for things that were just not that big of a deal. For me, it was, it was obviously the same, you know, being one of four kids and money was definitely tight especially after the divorce so like um I even till today I pick up that habit like that's why I don't really uh, wear like I'll I'll find one shirt like it and be like that's it like you know I work with it like it and another thing in the Middle Eastern culture is like you know the the guy is supposed to work hard the guy is supposed to provide so my dad has always raised me nothing in life is given everything is earned so like throughout my whole life I'm always working a job like I was always working even in law school where they told us not to I was still working. Um, unfortunately, my family has, you know, gotten better among the years financially, but like initially it was extremely, extremely difficult. Like when I would visit my mom, like we, we didn't have enough space. We slept on the floor. Um, you know, we were living on uh, food stamps. Like it was a difficult time. So we definitely had to pinch pennies um, as much as we can. And that's why I was working from the second I turned, I think 12 or 13, I was, you know, stocking cans or like working as much as I can. So my dad was very big on reusing things. Like I didn't change my shoes until, you know, my shoes were completely broken. I didn't, Mm -hmm. you know, got, get a new stylish shirt until that shirt got a hole or ripped. I didn't, you know, spend more money than necessary just because there's a brand. Uh, My dad, like, which, you know, leads to a lot of complications in a public school system because uh, when you're not dressed the nicest, the kids aren't the nicest. <laughs> so um, growing up, I definitely, my dad, and it's just the way he was raised, you know, he didn't grow up with that much money easy, either. So it was a very simplistic lifestyle, which I still try to maintain today to some aspect. Like hilariously, I should definitely pick up you know, <laughs> uh, my uh, outfits and stuff like that. But I'll find a shirt that I like, and that's enough for me. Like, I'll find something I like, and that's enough for me. But I'm starting to try and, you know, deviate from that and, you know, change that perspective. Of course, like, that's why with my car or something like that, I'm like, you know what? Like, once the money, I, once I feel comfortable, and that that's like, you, that's how you guys mentioned it. Once the investment is there, and I know for sure I can have it, that's when I'll change it. But until then, like, I have no problem, like, you know, cutting corners or making the best of a situation just because that's how I was raised. But that's for me personally, for my siblings or my family or anyone I love, I will spoil them to the ends of the earth. I I think that's a huge culture thing. I don't know if that's like relatable to you guys, but Mm -hmm. like with me personally, that's why I don't like really to receive gifts. I don't like anyone to spend their money on me in any way, shape or form. Um, I like to earn things myself completely. And then, but in the alternative, I love giving, I love spending my money on other people. And um, my father's the same way. It's just the way we were raised. So um, we, we will also stay like very resourceful for ourselves. Cause it's funny with ourselves, we'll be cheap in a sense, but with the people we love and around us, we will not even think twice. I know. I love that. We're, we're very, very similar in that regard. To me. I, hate, <laughs> I hate receiving gifts. Like aside from like the awkwardness of like opening a gift in front of people, like that's yeah. a whole other situation. But yeah, I don't, I'd rather give gifts than receive gifts for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's a thought that counts for me. I don't need anything more than that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so other values, education, I know you've talked about this one 
kind of a lot because that's very important to you. And I think it's so cool that you were able to sort of finish what your dad had started with him being a law student. I think that's awesome. Like just an awesome story, picture perfect ending kind of thing. But then what I want what I want to talk about is so I I also had like that same pressure to like, you know, get good grades and perform and go down this. Oh God. I became a professional engineer. I practiced uh, as a licensed professional engineer for like 10 years. And then like a year ago, I was like, I had to go and tell my dad that you thank you for putting me through school and wasting all your hard money on be- me becoming an engineer. But now I'm going to go make jokes about our culture on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, me and you both. I was like, well, thank you so hard for helping pave the way for me to become an attorney. Now I'm going to go be a reality TV star. <laughs> <laughs> like how how is that conversation going with your dad now? Oh my god. Uh, uh which is like I don't know if you guys just saw like that's where it's like uh, you know slight agitation. So I'm, you know, I was I I came into the house 24. I passed the bar in law school at 24 years old, still very young and um I was just starting my legal career. Like I was just, you know, applying to jobs, working at a firm, doing the transition um, you know, into becoming an associate attorney there. Like I already had my, uh, I was working on cases, everything. And, um, in law school, you know, I fortunately did a lot of jobs. So working at the Florida Supreme court, like my dad is living his best life in terms of a foreign parent looking at their kid. And then I'm just like, yeah, I'm going to go on big brother. <laughs> so, um, and there was, was a bigger reaction. He, so he, he's not very familiar. My dad's a very private person. He's not very familiar with like TV shows or anything like that. He, he can barely like his English being so broken. Like he doesn't watch English TV Same. at all. Dad, yeah. 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 So he's not very familiar with that or even the culture aspect to it. My dad doesn't even know what an influencer is like the concept of it. Um, <laughs> you mean they just tell you to buy things? And you- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, he really does not comprehend in any way, shape, or form what an influencer or public figure is. He literally, when I was trying to explain to him, like, the idea of everything going on, his his explanation was just like, you know, you're either an attorney or I'm like a celebrity who sings or something. Like, he doesn't know that, like, I guess the middle ground. Yeah, so what's, your, <laughs> what's your skill? What's your talent, Joseph? Like, what yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah that's, what he, that's what he's trying to have me explain. So, like, what does this mean? Like, you know, like, he doesn't really know what Instagram is. He he know, he hears about Facebook. Like, uh, but he has no idea what social media is. He has no idea what this concept and newfound world is. So, like, half of my time spending spent back home was me trying to explain to him what I'm trying to balance and this new world I'm trying to navigate. And um, although I'm obviously a lot more familiar with it to him, him, it's a completely new, completely new arena of things. Because pr- previously, like, I, I didn't spend my time explaining to my dad what a TikTok was or right, what right. you know social media what social media is or even the show like my dad didn't even he doesn't even really get the concept of reality tv or what was going on like he's just so not accustomed to it and never paid mind to it that it's like so this is so unique to him so he's been as supportive as he can be but with his reservations because at the end of the day like he, him being in law school in the middle east like he's so more familiar with like a business arena, although, you know, being, there are a business aspects to, you know, being an influencer, social media or gaining a platform, but I'm sure as we can all relate here, like, as you mentioned, like, oh, I'm going to go start a podcast. My dad is like, what's a podcast. He doesn't even know what a podcast is. And then when you explain <laughs> it, Hey, I'm going to make fun of you. And you know, the difficulties we go through for the internet, he's just like, 
go back to the firm. <laughs> so, so it's definitely had its difficulties explaining to him because um, he's just really, he, he doesn't want me to get, you know, he, he believes in me as much as I can, but he doesn't want me also to get distracted. But, um, and he knows this because even with me going into law, as much as I adopted my father's dream, I made it my own. The reason I actually initially got involved with law was um, twofold. One was for my mother in certain aspects. And the main one being, you know, my dad only was able to get here and situate himself because, you know, immigration laws and he was allowed, you know, to come here. He had a lot of difficulties, you know, gaining a visa and gaining citizenship. So I wanted to uh, be an Im- immigration attorney and go from there. And then the more I started working in law school, I got very interested in medical malpractice. Um, and that kind of starts to deviate and I start to get more involved in trying to pursue a career in that, in that arena. But ultimately he, he, he knows that I'm also very passionate about these aspects. So he doesn't want me to get distracted, um, and not follow another dream I had. So I told him, I'm like, hopefully everything falls into place, but you know, at the end of the day, a foreign parent wants their kid, you know, if they hear the word lawyer or doctor, that's where they're sending them. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Exactly. He'll play, he'll play along for a certain amount of time and then he'll be like, okay, no, let's, let's yeah, go. Let's the get clock back is ticking for me. Yeah. The clock is absolutely ticking. Oh. They want to go back and tell their friends that my son's a lawyer. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, he, they want bragging play, rights. That's play, exactly. Yeah. yeah. While they're playing cards or cards. something, smoking the argila and hookah, they want to be like, yeah, my son's a lawyer. Like, yeah. okay. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so I loved that video. Speaking of that, I loved that video that you posted when you came home to surprise your dad. And was that like, I don't know if that's like your, your backyard or whatever, not my business, but. Oh yeah. That's my, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. And that was, that was my backyard. And that was just a typical, I don't know what day it was, but that's just what my dad does. He was just out there. Like I just came home on a random, I think it was Wednesday or something. <laughs> and that's where you find Baba. Yeah, it's just a random Wednesday night, very normal for my house. Walk outside, there's like just 20 of his friends smoking hookah, <laughs> playing cards, yelling, and Arabic music blasting. Always. Very normal, very normal. Try studying for the bar exam during that. Like, trust me, that's why when people are like, like when I'm listening to things in quick speed, or I remember I was, um, I forgot what I was doing. I think I was reading somewhere and it was such a hectic environment. And people were like, how can you like, narrow in and focus I was like please like go live in my house like go live in my house (laughs) and try and try and be a student and you'll see why (laughs) well yeah culturally it was like I always had the house also that was like the the revolving door of people just coming in and out all the time like family members are always just showing up unannounced you're just like okay what's absolutely oh so 100 literally revolving door yeah. And with, with all my siblings too, growing up, like we're all bringing our friends in and out. We're all so close in age and we're all so close knit that like, we all share the same friends. So like, you know, if this person comes to visit my brother or my sister, like they're visiting me as well. So like that house is nonstop um, with activity, let alone, you know, there's four dogs living there. We have our cat. Now there's a turtle. Um, <laughs> there's always something going on. <laughs> Okay, so Kelly, you need to tell your story about the bunny because I just explained to okay. her the whole closet, the closet animals. Oh, yeah. Collected. Yes. As, as a kid. So go ahead. So, like a long time ago, maybe 10 years ago, I decided I want a pet bunny. That's what I have a little tattooed right here. Oh. And I was like living at home, and I'm like, my parents obviously are going to be pissed. I already have a dog. I'm like, they don't want, you know, they. They don't want more animals in the house and stuff. And I was like, all right, I'm going to get this bunny. He's cute. 
So I just snuck him into the house and I kept him in my closet. He was in my yes. closet. Oh in my God. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> For like two weeks straight. And then all of a sudden I'm at a, my cousin's party and my mom's calling me. She's like, I'm hearing something upstairs in your room, walking around. She's like, what's upstairs in your room? And I'm like, nothing. I'm, what are you talking about? She's like, the dog's with me. So I know it's not the dog. Obviously this is all in Portuguese. And she's like, what's upstairs yeah. in your room? I hear like just walking around and like jumping. <laughs> And I'm like, oh shit. So I rush back home it's to like, bunny. it's the bunny. He opened the cage with his like nose and just plopped out oh, and just was running around in my that's room. The worst. And I was like, <laughs> when a closet well, animal gets loose, it's the worst. <laughs> Trust me, I know. Oh my God. And I would, so me and my siblings shared a room as well. So like when one of them would find it, like, I don't know what I was thinking. Like, come on, Joseph. No. I would have to either make deals with them or be like, hey, like, do you want to keep this lizard too? Like it's our pet. So we have oh. to hide it from Baba. Um, and they would sometimes be on board. Sometimes they wouldn't. So like, we've had some such like interesting, for example, like the yeah. bird that I put in there, the crow, like um, <laughs> there, it was like so funny. Like, I've had so many animals thrown into that closet. And literally, I, I tell my dad, I'm like, I don't know why he was so surprised because he has done that our whole life growing up. My dad would literally, if he sees an animal on the side of the road, he'll stop and grab it. So he's like, this isn't the first turtle. Yeah, this isn't the first turtle. He's he's literally like, he's gr- like off the top of my head, he's brought home multiple turtles, ducks, cats, um, I love it. dogs, and birds but like if it's his idea it's fine if it's yeah yeah no yeah if it was baba baba was like oh like haram which is like you know poor thing in arabic and he'll be like you know we had like it has a soul we need to take care of it Mm -hmm. and i would be like you're right but the difference with me at least is though usually when my dad brought something home it's because like it was so lost or distraught me though you were catching them i was capturing them so i would go outside with like a little cage and set up and i would try and grab them or like chase them down and bring them in the house and like at first my dad was very big on no pets he'd always joke like uh we would be like well well, like we want a dog or we want an animal or something he was like baba i have four animals living in this house i don't need any more because the four kids and um so we were like all right then we'll get our own pet and then that's how the closet animals came to be (laughs) that's awesome i could appreciate that i'm so happy (laughs) you did that that. as well kelly thank you so much i really appreciate you (laughs) i as soon as she told me that i was like we have to tell him so he doesn't feel so alone (laughs) oh yeah thank you finally and then I just remember my mom's like, you have to tell your father you have a bunny in your room. Like, it's going to start smelling up there. And I'm like, no, I clean it. Blah, blah, blah. Like, I How long did you me. have it up there before it got loose and it got found out? Before it was it a long time, right? Like two, like, he was in my room for two weeks. And oh, I thought it was like months. He got loose, oh. but then I hit him in the closet even longer. But my mom knew. And mom was like, uh, I can't keep this away from me. I can't keep this from your uh, father. And I was like, well, we can't tell him. We can't tell him. And then eventually, I think I had him for a month. But my mom already knew. Yeah, oh, that was actually really good. Yeah. The longest I had was like I had a I had a lizard for a month, but that's not that hard to hide. Like the lizard was pretty easy. I remember I like I kept my lizard for a month, and then I think it was my stepmom who found him, and I had to let him loose. Um, the iguana was two weeks. Uh, oh, when they found the animals, they always made me release them, and they would like <laughs> scold me. They would scold me and be like, "A closet is no place for an animal." And I was it's like, true, "You're right." Though. Like, and I would start. I feel so bad. Like, they're like, "There's no sunlight in here." Like what kind of this like you you're like they would always tell me like if you love it leave it like you, you love it because it's in its natural habitat because it's that and i would be like but i want to keep it yeah, I I mean, like they're, they're not wrong yeah they were not wrong yeah 
Yeah. <laughs> Were you able to get a dog as a kid? Because I know same thing too. It's very big with our family. Like no, no pets, no dogs. Yeah. And eventually, eventually, you somehow bring one yeah, in, and they, they want to yes, get a dog. Yes. 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 So um, we had. Yeah, we had a couple growing up. Initially, no, not at all. The most yeah. like notorious one was her name was Wendy. Um, my dad had such a soft spot for her. Like uh, nobody wanted her because um, she was partially blind and had seizures. So she was a very high maintenance dog, medication, very expensive. And I think uh, my dad had like an associate or something or a friend from um, one of the stores who just like was like, I, I can't have this dog. The, the shelter wouldn't take it. I think they were going to put her down. So like, you know, that's, that's where I mm-hmm. get to have a dog because my dad's like, you know, we can't like, again, haram, like it has a soul. So mm, yeah. he, uh, Wendy came home and Wendy was like, you know, our first like real dog. And like, we oh, fell in that. love with her and obviously she just required a lot of maintenance and care and love. So that was like our opening. So then after Wendy and, you know, due to health complications, um, she, she ended up passing, but that opened the door to like, you know, now we can have like, you know, normalize having a dog in the house. Yeah. And we were so attached to her that like we needed to fill the void. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I'm a big animal person. Yeah, so. that's funny. <laughs> Same. <laughs> Same. All right. We're touching, we're touching hobbies real quick because yes. growing up in our like <laughs> immigrant life, it was like, hobbies weren't a thing or like extracurriculars or anything of that nature sports like like yeah. our american friends are like off like you know playing sports playing since football, they were five years old playing, or whatever yeah. yes. and like we were attending religious parades and like, yes. like cultural oh cultural yes. animal sacrifices and like yes. oh my god <laughs> like random sacrifices. random parties like stuff like that like so um, that was like a huge difficulty for me. And it was a barrier I tried to break down for my little brother because me being four years ahead, like I'm like, you know, I'm going to crawl so you can fly. <laughs> like, so with me, my dad was very like, you know, extracurriculars and activities and stuff like that. I don't know why they're so taboo. I don't really understand. One being like my dad just didn't see much um, him growing up without it himself. I think he, he always told me like, it's a very like old fashioned type of mentality, but he was like, you know, why, why go play this when you can go work and make money and step into the real world. So for me, like even when I turned 12 or 13 and wanted to play sports, my dad was like, almost like, you know, that's kind of a waste of time when I can, you can come to the store and start working and familiarize yourself with the work environment and the business. So, um, that was a luxury I wasn't really afforded. I, that's why I think I became so addicted to the gym. Once I get my driver's license and that freedom is kind of, you know, associated with me and another thing is like you know I had lack of transportation a lot because growing up with a single father and you know him working all the time like it was hard to get me from around we didn't have uber and all this stuff like you know when I'm first coming up so that was very difficult I just had like transportation issues let alone my dad just didn't see a lot of value with it it was always like an expensive ordeal like you know spend the money they don't see the value it's it's a luxury yeah no of course they don't see the value it is a luxury um and they don't have time to be taking you to those things if they're busy doing this other stuff yeah they don't have the time or the patience like my dad barely hated driving me to school so um (laughs) so there's like a lot of there's a lot of difficult aspects for it so let alone they don't see the value in it they also see it as a way my dad at least didn't see like much effort so fortunately i start to change his perspective on that with my younger brother my younger brother is given the opportunity to play 
um, uh, football. But then again, that's because, you know, now I can drive, my siblings can drive, you know, we're also breaking down those barriers to our father. So um, normally it was like the only extracurricular you're going to get is probably tutoring. (laughs) And that was like the only fun, like, you know, have fun, you know, trying to harp on your math skills. Like, oh my God, so that's, awesome. that's another reason I became very obsessed with fitness. Yeah, no, there was like, oh my God, I could, I've gotten yelled at so much because I couldn't figure out why E equals MC square or something like that. Some pointless <laughs> yeah. stuff with my dad. Yeah, yeah. But like, Baba, Baba, what are you not seeing right here, Baba? Baba. And just, I'm like, do you think yelling the same thing at me is going to make it register? Right, like, and we no. would just go back and forth. Like, oh my God. I remember one time we were visiting Syria <laughs> and we were in Syria and he was trying, this is like, like right before the, like a lot of the conflict starts to really get back. It's years ago. And we go to visit and in a family vacation. And I remember he used to make us, we had to do these extra math problems that we he would print out to like, you know, keep us busy and work. And I just couldn't comprehend something. And I, I remember, I'll never forget it. Cause he says it to today. I'm like, I was like seven and I was like, Baba, maybe that's how you do it in Syria, but it doesn't, this isn't making sense. <laughs> this is common core math. Okay. Oh my God. He, he snapped on me so hard. He, Baba, you think two plus two is different in America? And in Syria? Like, like you got so mad. He snapped on me so hard and he still today, he brings it up. Like, he'll be like, he'll be like, Oh yeah, Baba, maybe that's how we do it in Syria. Like, yeah. they'll like, still like, mock me for that when I was like seven I was like come on man I did not get your division and right. addition and everything that was going on in that mess oh my I God, still I have that. like a fair math in my defense before I forget the answer he kept coming at to was wrong so he was arguing with the answer book so he was like oh no this is the correct answer and that's why I was like Baba maybe in Syria and he was like what do you mean maybe in Syria <laughs> Oh, I love that. So, funny. so I'm surprised that Jay has not piped up because when I said that we didn't have any hobbies, we didn't do any sports, he actually started a basketball team at our little Portuguese Catholic school for like for the first time the school had never had any type of extracurricular activities. He started a basketball team for us so that we could have something to do because you <laughs> oh. <laughs> can't be spending children. every weekend at a procession. No, <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> you know what's funny? All your stories remind me because I went to Arabic school, so I can definitely share the sentiment of going to you know like a non-public private school that's devoted to you know culture and religion because it's definitely a unique experience. <laughs> sure, that's like a whole other. That's a whole other uh, unpacking. Don't even get me started. Do not. We don't. I don't think we have the time. We don't have that time for that. that. Yeah. We're not going to go into religious <laughs> religious drama unpacking today. Oh my god! No. no uh, <laughs> All right. So I think I'm through like all the fun topics. And then at the end of all of our episodes, we'd normally do like a mental health type segment because I think it's so important. Mm -hmm. And I have personal near and dear reasons in my heart for that. And usually we just kind of share. Sometimes it's like fun, lighthearted tips or tricks that we use to, you know, cope um, with anxiety or whatever it is. Sometimes we just have like open conversations about mental health. I heard you talk about 9-11 and post 9-11 situation for you. Um, Is that something that you're willing to kind of have a conversation about? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 
so I know you were probably young, but I, I had heard like little bits and pieces. I don't know if you got pulled out of school. Yes. Um, so uh, my cousins were actually older than me and they faced um, post 9-11 a lot of difficulties in the public school arena. I was, I think, like four or five around the time of starting kindergarten. So, you know, uh, my class is not really digesting the severity of the situation and what's going on. But my cousins who were older than me um, were having a lot of difficulties in the public school system. So actually all the brothers, my father and his brothers, like just all agreed like this it's been so hard that that's kind of why they start moving us all to private school that's actually how we end up um i think i i did public school kindergarten first second and the second we start to hit third we're like you know third fourth people they you know the bullying can start to pick up as the kids start to understand yes yes um they uh i get pulled out and um, i get sent to uh arabic school and that's be, for multiple reasons. My dad, in an effort to get me to learn the culture, the language, and then along with the uh, the bullying, I, I recall like on the bus rides and in situations like it would, I would hear my parents having conversations because I didn't really comprehend, you know, the magnitude or the things that were said to me. I just kind of understood kids were being mean, mm-hmm. um, and it was in some aspect because I was different, like you know. And I, I remember my dad would always tell me like. I, I went by Yusuf in the house. So like in school, I would, even though my name is legally Joseph, which my dad said he specifically did. So I don't have the difficulties that he has faced being in America with his first name being Ahmad. So he was like, I wanted to name you Yusuf, but I named you Joseph because he was like me having an Arabic name has caused me a lot of difficulties. Um, so he calls me uh, Joseph Abdin and he goes, you know, in a sense of, you know, your background, I gave you my, uh, my middle name is his first name, Ahmad, um, which still, you know, causes me a lot of difficulties when people would see my legal documents or my driver's license or my full name would be read. And um, later he, uh, he agrees with me into changing it. Um, My dad actually starts to go by Richard, which is like just a name that people, one had one difficulty pronouncing his name, Ahmad, and two, like he received so much negative um, you know, reactions and just a lot of, you know, stereo, stereo, he was stereotyped. So he starts to go by Richard. So he's like, I think you should change your middle name from Ahmad to Richard, which was so unfortunate to me because it's probably something I was really upset because I considered and I attempted to, um, just because in my experiences as well, like the name has caused me a lot of, you know, negative reactions, bullying. And, um, so he moves me to the Arabic school and like, obviously the aspect of me being Arabic wasn't a topic for bullying, but we had our other <laughs> uh, situations to deal with, uh, which is, I think, another reason why my siblings and I are so close, because all of us being in the same, you know, environment, I, we were always united. If there was anyone like ha- any fight I've ever been has been for one of my siblings. Um, and um you know, we, I, we then transitioned back into the public school for a multitude of reasons I won't get into, but there's now a huge gap, a huge gap for me, um, culturally, um, from a culture standpoint, from an education standpoint, from a friend standpoint, I think I now moved back into the public school around eighth grade. Um, so I'm about to hit high school. Um, the hiccuping 
was absolutely atrocious because I'm in this bubble. I think my classroom in the Arabic schools were like always three to five kids with me included. My, my family would, my family would make up half of the school almost (laughs) like literally the abdens because there was like seven or (laughs) yeah, literally seven or eight of us. Like when, when my dad and his brothers would decide, like, I think we're going to send the kids to the public school. Half their funding was about to disappear. So (laughs) it was, uh, it was problematic because then moving into the public, public school setting, like completely different world, completely different situation, um, which, you know, kids are not very receptive to change or differences. They're not very exposed to it. They're not very aware. So me being in an Arabic school, like for like five, six, seven years, and then just one day waking up and now I'm in the public school setting around seventh or eighth grade, no friends, half these kids grew up with each other. Um, I'm completely different in this aspect. I went by Yusuf for the last seven eight years and now coming in like, Oh God, like I was like a huge outcast, huge. Um, it was unbelievable. And, um, that's why I think my family and my siblings and us are so close because fortunately my brother and sister are only like nine months younger than me. So we in the school environment were like always just a great apart. And, uh, that's why we were always so close to close together because we were outcasted a lot of the time. So at least you had each other through that same situation. Yes. Yes, which is why we were so tight bonded. And that's why we also really didn't care much for the public school setting or for extracurriculars. Um, This wave does not change until maybe my sophomore, junior year of high school. Um, I start to make friends. I start to get, you know, uh, assimilated with what's going on and the culture and the public school setting. But until then, it's a very difficult journey um, to make friends, to get to know people. And then the unfortunate aspect of that is my father being working all the time, I'm working all the time, like I would finish school and then go straight to work. Um, So I wasn't really uh, fortunate in getting that diversification to, you know, more of the American culture and aspect of things. And um, I was just work school and um, literally just work and school and family. And that was like my life for a long time until, you know, I start to get my driver's license and um, I start to be able to go out more and venture off and, you know, get more assimilated with my environment. Yeah. I I feel like we had such similar upbringings too. Like even just, you know, the working aspect of like the second I was legal working age, it was like, no, you're going to get a job and you're going to work part-time for as many hours as they'll take you. And I was like, well, my my friends aren't doing that. They're just like on sports teams and stuff. And I had to quit the sports team so that I can go to work. Oh my God. And I'm like, this Mm -hmm. is crazy. And I was working so many hours for for what was supposed to be like a part-time job, it was like a high schooler. I'm like, why am I like putting in as much work as like yes. you know, 35 year old Sally over there? Like, this is crazy. literally, oh my god, don't get me started. Like, I would, I was like 14 best friends with like 30 and 40 year olds because this was like their full-time jobs, and I was just like, yeah, like, what's up? And they'd be like, you know, having these life conversations with me and like working in you know, the business, like they'd be venting to me about like, I think like divorces and all this stuff. And like, I would just be sitting there like stalking the cans, like and it, uh, me and like the other guy who's stalking. I remember like one of my good friends, like he was like 36 and um, he had a wife back in Haiti. And he was like, yeah, I don't know how I feel about her. Like, and I was like 14 and I'm just like stalking <laughs> and I'm being his, and he would every day vent to me and he'd be like, what do you think? Like, should I divorce her? Like, and I'm like, I, I was like, I, and I remember thinking because, you know, my parents divorced, I was like, 
well, I don't think, I feel like you should make it work. And now looking back at it, I was like, why is a 14 year old having this conversation? <laughs> so like, while my friends, love advice. <laughs> yeah, so like while my friends were playing sports and stuff, like I was stalking and playing, like being a therapist. So um, <laughs> definitely two different backgrounds. <laughs> oh my God. That's hysterical. I like, I feel like like this just needs to be like a series where we just like come on and like yeah. <laughs> once oh a week, Joseph, God. you're gonna come on and we're gonna just like chat about it. <laughs> yeah, no, and like there's so much to piece back. There's a lot of aspects of my life I look back into, and like it, the age and the life I was living did not correlate with one another. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> and I think that also has a lot to do with you know the Arabic culture and me being the oldest. Like you're not afforded the luxury to ever really be young. Like you're always high expectations, high motive, high drive, and a lot of pressure on your shoulders. So uh, me being the person I am, um, I don't like to let people down. And, um, you know, I love my family. I want to make them proud. So like, I, it was just a lot to live up to. And I still today still try to. <laughs> so I'm going to, I'm going to kind of end on this one note, because I was reading some stuff today and we're always for the podcast, we're always like researching and trying to like learn more, connect the dots for like our childhood and our experiences and all of that. And I always yes. find like the most interesting articles and stuff. So the one that I found today was talking about like all of the mental health triggers for immigrants or, you know, even first or second generation immigration. And it was like things having to do with you know, mental health triggers having to do with the actual act of immigrating and then like post-immigration ass assimilation, right? And there's a whole bunch of reasons. I won't read them all to you here, but like one of them that just hits home with what you're talking about now was, and I had never heard this term before today, cultural dissonance. And it's really like just your cultures are not in harmony with each other. So like you have this Arabic culture, we had this Portuguese culture that we were living in this world. And then also mm -hmm. trying to live in this world as an American, you know, a teenager or whatever it is. Yeah. And those two worlds are very different. And like you, unfortunately, sounds like you had to ping pong between them a little bit Both. more than we did. And so that just the two cultures just not being in harmony with one another. And that just really hit home with me. And I'm like, we need to like end on that note <laughs> it is it's true i always would feel like i had two different hats when i would walk out the house and walk in the house like two different situations and you know that's a lot of the reason like these topics these articles that you're going the more information we get about it the more you know the easier we can make these transitions and that blend so it's not two worlds the better it will be on kids and you know families and parents so that's why i do love your podcast what you guys are doing the chance for me to share this the more we acknowledge it see what the narrative is, see what the circumstances that blend and that unity will happen quicker. Awesome. I, th this has been more than we could have ever hoped for. This I was know. so good. I cannot believe I was <laughs> afraid so and spiraling yesterday about having to ask questions. <laughs> for hours. No, you guys shouldn't. I, I was Googling like what's considered a personal question. <laughs> no, I love talking about my family and like, you know, the, the story and the person I am today is like a lot of, you know, the experiences and the path that I've walked. So if sharing it can help anyone or, you know, help us progress in any way, I'm more than happy to. But that's awesome. So now you can officially say you got interviewed by the Portuguese Culture Podcast before Indy. <laughs> yes, I can't believe she's going to be so mad. <laughs>
And then once you tell her how much fun you had. I did it in her house. In her house, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) That's so awesome. I love it. Oh my God. But yeah, please guys, she's, she wants to talk to you guys as well. Like, please, I think you guys would have a great conversation. I think we would too. So we'll have women talking together. Oh my God. (laughs) I can barely handle one. So the one problem with us talking to Indy is Indy's obviously very fluent in Portuguese and we are going to be speaking our broken ass Portuguese back to her. Oh no, she will. It'll come out. Brazilian has like a different dialect to the Portuguese that we speak. So it's, we're going to be like, I can't wait for it. <laughs> She's going to be That'll teaching be... us. Yeah, maybe oh we'll have to God. do it in Portuguese. Like, that would be fantastic. Yeah, literally. <laughs> but well, seriously, thank you guys so much, Gay, Kelly, no, Melissa. You guys, you. what you're doing, it's amazing. Thank you so much. Like, this this dialogue and, you know, these conversations need to be happening. I know, like you said, mentioned, Melissa, like explaining it to your parents and maybe didn't come off is very valuable, but trust me, the world <laughs> needs it. It is. So, the one thing I want to know is like, did you have the most fun on this podcast? Today? <laughs> I had, I had a lot of fun. This is a topic. Honestly, this is the most depth I've gone into it. And it's a topic that's near and dear to me. And if anyone knows, like going on the show and big brother, this aspect of my life was a huge reason why I stepped onto the show, why I wanted to, you know, show a little bit of who I am and you guys allowing me to have that platform and do it further is literally the exact reason I came on the show. Like, you know, winning 750 was nice and all, but like there was more to my appearance on Big Brother. I'm I'm so glad that we got to do it. And I'm I hope that we made everyone proud. I hope you still get the opportunity to interview with like a Middle Eastern podcaster. I, I really hope that that happens for you. But I was just hoping to get through this without like getting tomatoes thrown at me. Like why? <laughs> oh, no, please. Please. It does not have to be a Middle Eastern or anything. Just it's the opportunity to have the conversation. And like the, the only reasoning in me, like probably, you know, requesting that in some aspect is just because then, you know, there's more possibly of relatability. But even then, look at us, almost everything I said, you guys laughed and we shared like, yeah. there's no it, it, I don't care what the background is of the person or what it is like just the opportunity for me to have these conversations is what I'm looking for. At the end of the day, I just feel like we're all, we're just all related to each other. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we really are. Everyone is the same. I promise you. And the sooner we, the sooner everyone realizes that the easier the world and the better it'll be. Seriously. All right, now go eat. (laughs) Yeah, I really am. (laughs) Well, thank you guys so much. Thank you so much. God bless you guys. Thank you. Thank you. So it's about that time. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying our podcast, please just give us a review on whatever platform you're using to listen to us. You can also visit our website. It's folkandfad.com. We have transcripts available there of every episode. And you can also send us an email, mail at folkandfad.com. Or you can hit us up on Twitter. Same handle there, folkandfad. And for Instagram, you can follow us at underscore it's called culture.